Uh, we're talking this morning about being witnesses in the power of the Holy Spirit as we continue this series about the personal work of the Holy Spirit cultivating a spirit-filled life. So we're going to look uh, at two pieces of scripture first of all. Uh, one at the end of Matthew's Gospel, Matthew 28, and the word should uh, come on the screen. Uh, commonly known as the Great Commission. This is uh, the last recorded words by Matthew of Jesus' ministry. So we've seen, uh, when you look at, uh, across the Gospel of Matthew, written uh, in a very Jewish context and, and uh, uh, trying to prove that Jesus was and is the Son of God, where uh, he fulfills all the prophecies and he says, see, this is what the prophet had said, or this is to fulfill what the prophet had said. And, and because Jesus is the name above all names, he is the one who fulfills them. He is the Messiah. And, and finally, we come to the end of uh, Matthew's Gospel. And, uh, and these are Jesus' last recorded words by Matthew um, to his disciples. And the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And then... Uh, I'm going to read from Acts 4, uh, a bit longer actually than what we put uh, on, the, on the preaching plan. I'm going to read Acts 4 from verse 18 again. You should see the words. And the context of this is Peter and John uh, have been preaching. Uh, they've been called before the religious leaders who've told them to stop doing it effectively. Uh, they're not allowed to do it anymore. It's too powerful. So let's just pick up this story uh, from verse 18 of Acts chapter 4. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. And that always strikes me, that bit. We cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard. All of us, uh, if we're Christians, have a testimony, have a a story. And um, people get excited with stories, you know. That's why we have illustrations in sermons. It kind of earths them. And all of you have got a story, and all of you... Um, in, a, in a way, when people ask you, you know, we get, it's lovely to have this spirit that we cannot help speaking about what we've seen and heard, or even church life, or whatever it is. Uh, but they couldn't keep it in. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them, because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will and decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus, 
After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. So in both those passages, the context of the Holy Spirit being released, it's not the only time, but there's a context of mission, isn't there? Uh, We know that the Holy Spirit was poured out for all people, fulfilling all the prophecies that have been made hundreds of years before, but he was only around for certain people at certain times for certain events. But on the day of Pentecost, he was poured out on all people. And, and what, what happens when the Spirit is poured out and people are confused? The first thing that happens is Peter starts witnessing. He immediately preaches. And immediately people are getting saved and baptised, just like the Great Commission of Jesus says, to repent and be baptised, be filled with the Spirit. And it's a great truth that Jesus calls us to himself and we recognise that and we accept and receive the great gift of salvation, that he takes my sin on the cross, deals with it and sets me free now to serve him. No more guilt, no more, no more uh, judgement for me. I stand with the righteousness of Christ over me and he takes my sin. That is an amazing transaction. And of course we accept and receive that gift of salvation, but it's also a great truth that he commands us to go out and be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. Go and make disciples. Interestingly, we were talking about this in the office. He doesn't say go and make converts. He wants disciples. Disciples, people that really, truly follow him, really take him at his word. So he commands us to go out and be his witnesses and his disciples to the ends of the earth. In Acts 1, the promise of the Holy Spirit, uh, one of power, is given to the disciples so they can fulfil the high calling of bearing testimony to Jesus Christ, to all they have seen and all they have heard. We all know the Great Commission as he commands us to go out into the world in the power of the Spirit, in the knowledge, because he says, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age, in the knowledge that he is with us. What a great promise that is. In the spirit of evangelism, as we go and make disciples, where we so often feel inadequate and untrained, and surely someone else can do that. But as we witness or share testimony or whatever it is, being witnesses, he promises that he's with you. And when we look at the Bible, much of the context the Holy Spirit being given is in witnessing. It's the Spirit as well who can guide us into those God-given opportunities to share about Jesus in our lives. Mark, uh, in his gospel, underlines the theme in Mark 16. He says to them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons, they will speak in new tongues. He's talking about some of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And we're going to be coming on to a series about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. As I mentioned last week, we've looked at character and fruit and uh, the Holy Spirit. We'll be talking about the life of the church and, and, and we're going to be looking at the gifts and we want to exercise those gifts. But we have to have faith to do so. So that when people are amongst, they say, surely God is among you. you know, and I love it when people come to our church, sometimes uh, not even believers, and they say, there's something here. And then we can explain to them, it's not something it's a someone. And we can do that in his name because Jesus, as we've sung, is a powerful name. And it's the only name in which any of us can come in any kind of authority. How do we do it? Not everybody is an evangelist. We know that's one of the ministry gifts. Not everybody. I think personally that all pastors should have that evangelistic nature. 
Um, in fact, we put it on our role descriptors for, for the whole team. Uh, because Paul says to Timothy, you know, in everything you a pastor in Ephesus, in everything you do, do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. And, and it's good and proper that we do that. But it's fair to say that not everybody is an evangelist, but everybody can be a witness in just different ways. And God has made you and your character just how you are. And it's no point trying to be somebody else. If you're not the street preacher, don't go and be one. Um, and, and, you know, but you might be someone who comes alongside someone, like Jesus on the road to Emmaus, and he just walks with them for a while. And finally, at the end of the journey, they get it. But it might just be that. It might just be your character, the way you react to certain things. Evangelism can't just be about programs and hard work. I mean, of course, we've got Alpha, uh, which I love to promote. Um, and personally, not all the time, personally, I always try and have a, if I go out, I try and have a leaflet or a card. We've got all these cards now, it's going to be out of date soon. So, you know, you never know when you get an opportunity to give something to someone. It could be a waitress, a waiter, or, or you know, anyone, really. And you never know when that opportunity comes back. But I know I've had opportunities, and I've got, oh, do you know, I haven't got, you know, I don't even have my business card. I mean, I'm such a useless evangelist, but I try and do it. I try and do it. And sometimes they're Holy Spirit moments. It's good to have these things on you because you never know. I remember uh, once we were going to start an Alpha course and um, I left my home and it was just a thought that I haven't got, I need to take a card. I was going to get my hair cut. I need to take a card and, um, of the invite. And so I went back uh, to the church office, got my card and didn't know why I stuffed it in my pocket. And I'm getting my hair cut and the lady cutting my hair said, oh, you know, and it's always it's easier for me because they say, "Oh, you got a day off?" You say no, and uh, okay, is it lunch break? No, pretty flexible my job. And they say, "What do you do?" And then that's it, you're in. And then we started uh, talking about stuff. Sometimes I really don't want to talk about it. Sometimes I want to shut my eyes and switch off, but uh, it becomes harder. And I and because I'd had that card in, I said, "Oh well, you know." And she's talking about. It. I said, "Well, look, this is the Alpha course." And at the end of that. We ended up running an alpha course in the hairdressing salon, seven o'clock every Tuesday evening, which she came along to. You know, but there was, it started with that Holy Spirit moment. As I was going along, I thought, I need to take a card with me while I get my hair cut. And, and I, I was able to leave it with her. And you never know, you can miss those opportunities, but he is with us, and he does give us the words to say. But that's corporate evangelism. We like running alphas so that you have people to invite, and all of you. Uh, work with people, socialise with people. I'm not saying that, you know, just about to tee off on the first tee, unless you really want to beat them. Uh, say to them, do you know Jesus? You know, I might use that, actually. I could win a few more golf games. Um, and, uh, but it might be that it comes up in a conversation. And like the early evangelists in the Gospels, they simply said, come and see. You don't have to have all the answers. I've got all the answers, but you can invite people. But there's also, there's also a, a real privilege when I, I'm teaching Alpha. I always learn something new myself. But seeing the eyes opened uh, gradually, sometimes immediately, sometimes it's months afterwards, but you see it, and it's a real privilege. If you want to be involved in that, come and see me because we'll, we, we want to run more courses. There's also that personal evangelism, those God-given um, moments. I remember going to a Christian festival once, and uh, like any good Christian, we were, I was there with another leader, and um, there, was a, there was a few seminars after the worship, and we didn't really, we sort of looked at them, and we'd been to one about evangelism and looking for opportunities, and we thought, well, we're with 10,000 other Christians, and so there's not much evangelistic opportunities here. So I said to the other leader, look, I said, why don't we, why don't we you know, let's go out and live this. And, um, and so for pure ministry purposes and the purposes of God, we found a local pub, and and we went in there, but before we went in, we said, Lord, we're going to pray. We are ready to speak. 
Um, we don't know who's in that pub, we don't know what kind of pub it is, but we are going to pray that we give the gospel to at least one person. And um, we went in there, and it was seconds. I mean, seriously, it was ridiculous. Went in there, uh, pint of lava top, please. Hello, what are you two doing? Oh, we're at the Christian festival. What's all that about then? I thought that was a quick answer to prayer. And we gave this guy the gospel. I, I, I won't confess we was in there for six hours, just making sure he got it because we weren't. Um, but it was in there about an hour. But we gave him the gospel, and as we, and we walked, and he was really receptive. He said, this sounds amazing. And I had nothing on me. I didn't have my alphabets or any literature. So we just gave him the gospel and said, look, find a local church and go and speak to the minister um, and, you know, get on an alpha course. And when we came out, my colleague said to me, you know, we've made a big mistake there. I said, well, he goes, we didn't have any faith. I said, what are you talking about? I said, we prayed and we went in and we've given the gospel. And we've, he goes, yeah, we prayed for one person. That's what we got. And I thought, he's right. You know, where's my faith? What about the pub? You know, so I might pop back there at some point. If you want to come with me, we'll go and evangelise. It'd be good. But it was amazing. We prayed for the opportunity. It happened. And God gave us the words. We didn't just come out with the four or five points of spiritual salvation. We just came out with testimony and story and saying, you know, if the, and he, I remember him saying, this is true. This is good for you. It's true for you. I'm not sure it is for me. And I said, that's illogical. If it's true for me, it's true for everybody. It can't be true for some and not. It's either truth or it's not. He said, I've never thought of it like that. He said, well, you don't seem like a weirdo. He didn't really know me that well. And, and he said, you seem normal. And he said, I said, well, go and investigate it. And I, I don't know what happened. Um, but we prayed for an opportunity and we got one. And it was amazing. The Spirit gave us uh, the words to, to say. It's also about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, changing our lives as we, be, as we become effectively a living gospel. You know, our character and the way we react or the way you're walking alongside someone. There's someone I know um, and, uh, who's a Christian and their ne- the, the new neighbours came and they were just got talking and stuff. And um, this neighbour said, I, there's something about you, I want what you have. And, and they said, well, you know, I'm a Christian and spoke about it and gave the gospel and that person ended up coming on an alpha. And they testified to say, that actually, it wasn't about any sermon I pre- uh, uh, that was preached or, or anything like that. It was just actually seeing my neighbour and realising what she had was saying that I had, and realising it wasn't the something she had, it was the someone she had, and they became a Christian. So every day you can affect uh, those around you for God and for good. Um, we have that opportunity, and you're going to be, when you leave here, you're spread out such a huge area, you could have a massive impact. The problem is, I think, is that we know we're called to be witnesses, but we can lack boldness or conviction or courage in our sharing. And it's fair to say we're not all extroverts and we're not all introverts and some of us are something in between. But you, you'll find your way. It could be coming alongside somebody. It could be actually telling them. It could be actually holding back sometimes. Sometimes that's important as well. But the important thing to know is that in, as you witness, uh, like Jesus said, I'm with you to the very end of the age. And he knows your fears. And he knows your doubts. He knows my feelings of inadequacy. He knows my fears before any Alpha course um, that I have to rely on him because all I've got is words. But with the spirit there, it can be everything. And so when, before, if ever I'm kind of witness to someone or teach, I take a deep breath and I think, well, I believe in you, Holy Spirit, and somehow, somehow you'll do your work. It removes any guilt from me and it removes any pride from me. It's all about him. 
Because Jesus says he doesn't leave us as orphans. He sends his Holy Spirit to help, and he does. And I can testify to that time and time again. And it's been in the times when I've witnessed, not the only time, that I've often come up with words that I have no idea why I came out with them or insight that I didn't have. And it's the Holy Spirit that's there. And he'll do that for any Christian that witnesses in his name. Luke 12, 11 to 12, when you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you, sh- what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. It's in those moments, some, often people come to me and say, oh, I was involved in this situation or that situation, I gave the gospel, I don't know how I did it. It was like, it, was like, it just all came out. And I say, well, the Spirit's with you and he promises. Jesus promises to be with you, he promises to send your Spirit. I remember uh, on the dealing desk when I was broken in the city and people would say to me, well, where's your God in this? And where's your God in that? And I would witness to them in a, in a kind of soft and, and gentle way. And I'd get to the point, I'd say, well, where are you without him? Where's your explanation for everything? And they didn't have one. And it was a way of witnessing. I found the Spirit would give you the words. Incredible. And we need to live in that integrity of his word to us because we are the living witness. The Christians are the living witness. And the Holy Spirit, when, it's given, when he's given in the context of mission, you don't need to let your fears or your sense of inadequacy, I suffer from that as well, because there is one that does not want you to witness, and he does come against us. But don't let that undermine this great mission of God. All of you, imagine, I don't know how many here at the moment, I'm an evangelist, so I always up the numbers, 500 people. Um, no, but I don't know what it is. But whatever it is, all of you could witness to one person this week in some way, whether it's character, deed, uh, word, whatever it is. And imagine if that person eventually started coming to the church. We'd soon need a bigger premises then. One each. It's a challenge for us, isn't it? Jesus, at the start of his ministry, uh, we're told, aren't we, the Spirit came on him like a dove. He received the Holy Spirit. The disciples of Jesus at the start of their commissioned mission to bear witness to him, they received the Holy Spirit. And in the church today, our mission hasn't changed. It's his mission. The message hasn't changed. It's his message. So in light of that continuity, the giving of the Holy Spirit has not changed. Jesus promises that he's there with us as we witness. So as we continue to seek out the lost, carrying on in the Great Commission, that the Holy Spirit is with us. And that gives me great comfort. And it means that when I speak to you, I can speak to you with confidence, say you will, not, you will get the words, and you might be a bit uh, afraid, or you might even get discouraged, you might feel inadequate, but it's really not about you. It's, it's going to be the Spirit of God using you in that situation. So many testimonies of people, you know, sometimes big high-profile Christians, there's always somebody behind them that we don't know the name of, that was praying for them, walked with them, bore with them, thought the best of them, and introduced them to Jesus. So what's the problem? Many churches um, aren't set up to witness and minister in the name of Jesus. A lot, because they've been very traditional and they were coming from a past era, have been set up to maintain what they have. And instead of a mission-minded idea, much of the church in this country, not all of it, there are some really good stories around, is maintenance-minded. Let's, let's look after what we've got. Let's not lose any more. Focusing on managing what they have and consolidating losses. And I can tell you, and it's not because I've got the gift of discernment, it's because I read the newspapers, it doesn't work. 
It doesn't work just to only look after the people inside these walls. We have to have a passion like Jesus did for the people outside. Of course we want them inside. Of course we want them as a community of God's people. But they're lost. I mean, you look at the world and they're just lost. And we are an army of people who have got a message, whatever way we share it. We can't be satisfied with consolidating losses and trying to keep the decline to an acceptable level. We should be multiplying. Anything healthy should multiply and grow. And the church needs to retain its vo- uh, regain its voice and its health. For too long, the church, when I say the church, I mean the church in the West, has taken its right to be heard for granted. And it's not really, it really isn't, we really haven't got that anymore. We think that we're a Christian nation. Well, there are a lot of Christians in this nation, but we're, we're turning away from it. The reality is different. The fact is, the church, from all sorts of scandals, sometimes down to ministers, sometimes down to congregations, all sorts of things, people look at that, uh, or, or the take a bit of the Bible, but don't take that bit because, you know, it's a bit uncomfortable. And then, all of a sudden, no one knows what we believe in. They hear a lot about what we don't believe in. The reality is different. The church no longer has the hearts and minds of the people to be able to tell them about the things of God. And we need to acknowledge that, and we need to try and win those hearts back and show people, actually, this this post-Christendom environment doesn't work. You don't have to look far for that. Christendom, uh, which wasn't that long ago, was where there was general belief in God. So when you spoke about Jesus Christ and the need to be saved, people, right, okay, well, I will do that. And they'll cry like those early uh, believers did. What must I do to be saved? Because they believed in God. But many people now don't even believe in God. Some do, and so think that's enough. And that's not their fault, that's our fault. We haven't told them it's not enough. It's what you do with that belief that is really important. So we're in post-Christian Christendom now. The Sunday schools of the past, whether they were Christian or not, are not full up. The church has lost its voice. And in the past, it was in pastoral mode because churches were full and you had to look after the people. But now we're in post-Christendom. Yeah, the sad fact is probably around 50% of the people in this country in a few weeks' time will not have a clue why they get Friday or Monday off. Whose fault is that? It's not theirs. The church has to regain its voice. We're in post-Christendom and we're in mission mode. We can't only be in pastoral mode. Most of them don't even know who Jesus is. They put him alongside Father Christmas as some sort of mythical figure that weak people need to lean on. And the church, we have to regain our passion and commitment for the gospel and its message because the outcome is too important. And when the church has lost its mission edge, when she allows her lack of confidence in the good news of Christ, the gospel, and actually becomes happy with maintenance, and then we can see that the church then will lack power from the Holy Spirit because if we've seen, it's in mission that the power of the Holy Spirit is made manifest. And when that happens, the signs and the wonders stop as well. The preaching might become dull or ineffective. The worship, not really heartfelt. We stop seeing miracles. We stop seeing conversions. We stop seeing baptisms. And then what we do, we try and build theologies to explain all that stuff away. What we really need 
is bold witnesses and conversions of the heart, which lead to passion and conviction. Not just doctrine and ought-tos, but a circumcision of the heart that makes people want to follow God. In a, in a sense, I think our evangelism and, and witnessing is easier now because I can point to the world and I frequently do and say, how's it going? How's it going the more we turn away from God? Look at the confusion in all areas in the world at the moment. Look at the violence. Look at the sense of lostness. Look at the fatherless. Look at the people who feel they don't belong. And yet, here we are. We've got the answers to all those things. We need those conversions of the heart. And so much time in the past was about education. That's not a bad thing, education in the word. It's not wrong, but it shouldn't be isolated from the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Historically, we used to think that real evangelism and real mission was perceived to only happen overseas. But as mission on our doorstep, that's a strapline of the, of the Baptist Union, mission on your doorstep, as soon as we walk out this door. We've had generations of people considered Christians in the past because they were born into a Christian nation. They'll put that down on their birth certificate. Maybe never been in a church unless they was christened as a baby. Maybe even confirmed. Even if their heart and mind had been untouched and unconverted by the salvation message of Jesus Christ. There was a, a nation of church goers. And the result, the mission was effective and uh, ineffective and the Holy Spirit's power wasn't seen. There was an assumption that people would just be Christians. It's shown to be false. It doesn't just work like that. Churches up and down the country are shrinking. Some are closing. Some are becoming mosques. Some are becoming cinemas. And yet churches like them still want things to carry on as they did before. And say, well, the world should become like... that. They should just accept what we do. We're not going to change. We're down to our last three members, but we've always done it this way. Elsewhere, where the churches are very mission-focused, very passionate about the gospel, Africa, China, India and Korea, they're seeing signs and wonders and the Holy Spirit being poured out all over the place because they're utter reliance on God and in mission because the Spirit was given in the context of mission. And we need to recapture that mission. I don't want to just run an alpha course every now and again. I want to, I want me to, I want to need to have more leaders because we've got so many people waiting. I don't want it only to be Alpha Courses or whatever we do or events or whatever. I want it to be the army of people going out, sharing in whatever way they can, recapturing that mission heart to seek and save the lost. Jesus said, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. But then he gives them a mission. It's not, you know, we love, we say, give us more of the Holy Spirit. Fill me with your spirit. And Because that's all right and proper. But he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There was a purpose in being given the Spirit. He changes us from within. He makes us become more like Jesus, sanctification. But also to witness, to, to minister, to serve, to care for the world. Rob Jones said, Jesus is looking for a people who will step outside of what is respectable and out of their comfort zones to declare his light and life to a broken world. It only takes a movement of his people towards his purposes. And once again, the power and presence of the Holy Spirit will be made manifest on our congregations. Are we prepared to look at ourselves, to look at our churches and say sorry to God that much of what we do is about pleasing ourselves rather than fulfilling the purposes uh, of him for our lives? What are we leaving the next generation of Christians who will come after us? 
It may be nice and comfortable in the church we attend. It may be easy to belong and good to feel secure and safe. But the Lord has not called us to be a people who live safe or play it safe. He has called us to go into the world and discharge his message of forgiveness, salvation and judgment to a world that is looking for answers. I mean, that's a, that's a challenging statement, and I was challenged when I read it. Some things I do, I do them because they're comfortable and I kind of know or think I know what I'm doing or it's just what we've done. And, and to try and think outside of that and say, well, where's my faith? Where am I really stepping out? Where am I expecting the impossible? It's a real challenge. But I really believe if we obey that call of Christ, there is a great harvest. That's what the word says. The harvest is plentiful. We think it's not. But two-thirds of the world are unevangelized at the moment. The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And of course we face opposition and hardship. In my experience and others that I speak to, whenever they're witnessing, wherever they're evangelizing, whenever, whenever they're pushing forward for God, they are, they, the enemy comes against them. And it's because good things are happening. But it's tough. And that's why God sends his Holy Spirit to us to be courageous and effective as we reach out in the power of Jesus Christ. There's a way to see the glory of God fill churches across this nation. There's a way to experience healings, signs and wonders, which we do experience here, but we'd love to see more. And that way is for us to individually and as churches to rediscover the call to mission, to actively obey that challenge of establishing mission on the doorstep as we walk out of our churches. Everything you do, in your lives, where you're scattered, in the preaching, in our worship, it could be our hospitality, it could be our church governance, everything we do, it all builds a church army, and that church army is you. You belong to Christ. Um, He gave his life for you, and we give our lives back to him. We have our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. We have to put our faith in him. Satan will always try and discourage you. He tries to discourage me on a regular basis. We're so aware of it. But whenever he looks, whenever he's on us, we have to look at Jesus. We're going to sing this in a second. When Satan tempts me to despair, upward I look and I see him there. Right? Because Jesus is the name above all names. We don't sing any songs about Satan. We don't want to. Because Jesus is the name above all names. It's only in him that we can have real faith and trust. It's only in him when we're witnessing, when Satan comes against us. Our whole destiny is only found in Christ. And so we need to be active. It could be that you're a prayer. It could be that you're a doer. If you're a prayer, pray for the revival. Pray for the revival. Every big revival started with an outpouring of prayer. We want the, we want the, the uh, experience, but we've got to seek God. Uh, it could be that you're a talker, then talk to people. It could be that you're a doer, then serve people. It could just be your character shines through. Whatever way it is, witness. Let's get that renewal. Let's act. You know, invite people to church or Alpha or Jeff Lucas in November or whatever we're doing. Um, invite them. Let, and then let God do the rest. Let the God's spirit speak to them in the context of that. Your character, walk with people, pray for them. Uh, but let's take the mission of Jesus seriously because Jesus said as we go and make disciples of all nations as we baptise them like we are doing Easter Sunday in the name of the Father, Son and Holy Spirit he says surely I am with you to the very end of the age and I want Jesus to be with me and with you to the very end of the age and he promises that so please this week 
when you leave this place, when you go home, when you go into the workplace, when you're walking on the street, when you're standing at the bus stop, when you're going to a pub with your mate, ask for the opportunities and just be ready. Take those Alpha cards. We shouldn't have any left because Alpha, it started last week. We haven't got one tonight. Um, but the, the course really starts next week. So there's a few new people already coming next week. Uh, get, get the card out. Go and get your hair cut. <laughs> Do what I did. And, and put the, you know, talk to people if you're a talker. But, but whatever way it is, be the witness. Be the witness because the mission is too great. I'm going to pray for us. And I, and I hope and pray that you're encouraged, that you have the power of God within you to make a difference in people's lives and it could be their salvation which is the biggest thing that could ever happen to them so father we thank you for your word we thank you for your promise we thank you that you're with us to the very end of the age we thank you you never leave us or forsake us and i pray lord that uh, the people here will pray for those opportunities this week and months and years ahead i pray we get excited about you and excited about growth for the kingdom growth for your church here on earth i pray lord that um, opportunities would come up We'd put ourselves in in places where there are non-Christians. I pray, Lord, we'd come on a Sunday to be fired up by the presence of your Spirit, but then sent out into the world. You said that as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Can we be a sent people, full of your Spirit? May we see your church grow here and further afield, and your kingdom, your kingdom preached throughout this country. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.